Star Spangled Banner, sung by Mr. George J. Gaskin for Columbia Phonograph Company of New York and Paris. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Panda Poop Podcast. So I am your host, Omar, as usual, and today I do have a guest with me. His name is John Hebert, Herbert, Hebert, Hubert. Can you hear me out there? He is typing. Oh, he's still connecting to the podcast, but I can hear everything that he says. Anyway, uh, today's topic is going to be about the elections and we do have an election going on today actually uh, for the polls a lot of them have closed around the united states especially here in texas and right now uh, we have a really big election happening here because we are choosing both our one of our state senators as well as a new governor for the state and also there's you know elections uh, for every district you know new representatives it's it's a big moment for Democrats and and for Republicans as well, and not so much for Libertarians, unfortunately. Um, everyone has kind of a bone to pick in this in this fight, right? In this environment, in this uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's I don't know. How many of you actually out there have voted? Like what, what have you done? Have you gone out and you know, given money to the campaign? Have you knocked on doors? Have you gone, um, worn the t-shirts? Have you been to the rallies? Like what, what constitutes good behavior for political end, right? I want X person to be in office. I want, uh, X party to do X Y Z in our environment. What is what does that what does that mean to be a good American, John? I think you're on right now. Welcome, John. Hey, having uh, mic problems. I don't think. Hey, I can hear you here. just fine now. No, you sound great. Oh, okay, excellent. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. 
about yourself? It's doing well. I'm interested in to see what the results are from this election to see how the different primary colors that we have, <laughs> how that's going to shift in our house as well as in our Senate, uh, especially in the, the Texas House and, uh, and Senate as well. I don't think there's going to be too much change in that regard. Um, but in terms of the national level, uh, there might be some big changes come along the way. But uh, I do want to get your thoughts on this, right? Uh, I'm not going to necessarily say, uh, you know, what I stand for and where and where I want things to be. I really just want to talk about uh, elections in general and really talk about uh, what constitutes being a good American and what sort of things should Americans do whenever an election is coming up and they want a particular person to be in office or a particular party to be in office. And is that something that's even pr uh, productive? So let's start from the beginning. Okay. Is voting a necessary thing that people should do in our country? It's the least uh, of their involvement that they should be doing. Okay. You see, so you say the least of their involvement. Can you elaborate it, more on that? You should at least vote. I mean, in my opinion, that's just, you know, the, the very uh, beginning. I mean, if you want actual change, if you want uh, your representatives in Congress to actually represent uh, your your own thoughts or desires or, you know, what you want to see happen in America, well, you have to participate in that process, which means to contact uh, your representatives. That is how it's supposed to work. I mean, in my opinion, merely voting, you know, every two years, either for Congress or uh, the president, that's it's not very uh, doesn't get a lot of uh, stuff done, in my opinion. But you know, what what do you think? What's your take on on uh, on voting and how? I agree with you. I think what you said was very interesting. That voting is the least that a person can do. And what's so interesting to me is that we social media, all these different tech companies, all these different celebrities. The messaging is. You have to go vote. Go vote. Voter turnout in our in our country is yes. very low. It is very very low. Yes, but the idea you're saying is it's it's a must. Like this is the least that a person can do, and I just find that to be an encouraging thing to say. Yes, because I absolutely agree. It is the least that we can do because it voting once every two years or in every single election really just makes your voice heard that one time. Right. But it doesn't get you involved in the political process. It just gets you involved in the voting process. The political process or, or politics in general is just the idea of distribution of resources across a population, right? You have a government and you have a governed people and the government's supposed to perform certain actions and provide certain services and and certain level of protection for the people in which it governs and uh, there might there there's a lot of extension to that especially in our country there's a lot of extension to what that government can do and some people benefit from it some people don't it hurts some people while it helps others but if people aren't uh, speaking up about the things that they think are wrong or think that can be done better, then 
they're not really involved. Like, I'm going to go vote for this person because they're telling me during their campaign that they're going right. to make my life better. We're, well, we're then if, a, they're, if we're they're not, then what happens? We're at a really exciting place in history in that we can use technology to, to directly uh, voice our opinions. Obviously, the uh, social media and politics in the last, uh, since, and definitely in two, 2016, played a large part. For right. that, it was uh, used by the Obama campaign. But uh, especially now, well, here, the net neutrality uh, uh, social media campaign. I'm, I'm oh, man, that got people that. in a tizzy. It had a huge impact, you know, mm-hmm. on what happened with that. And that was because a lot of tech-savvy people who knew uh, the, the issue and knew who to contact and how to contact and how to organize, it made a big difference very quickly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I find it it's, – it's a very good point in that communication does spread, but especially when – people are told so people use the internet all of the time mm-hmm. and this that was an issue that touched everybody but i think at the same time it touched so many people but there was also a lot of misinformation about that particular topic and it was the use of misinformation to sway a person one way or the other and when it really boiled down to it it wasn't like any of us could vote on net neutrality yes or no it was mostly how do we communicate to our representatives yes. to sway them to say yes or no to that that particular legislation. And I think people when they when they think about that, they're like, well, they're never going to listen to me. Well, I think that if people organize, and a big part of democracy is organization, yes. right? Absolutely. Getting people together under a, a similar flag, if you will, not to say you know a national flag, but in, as in a flag of this is an idea that we represent, right, that we believe in, you know, people in numbers can be very powerful, especially when, you know, those large amount of people are supportive or against a particular stance that a politician may have. And uh, not even, uh, we're talking fractions of the population made a difference in net neutrality. I mean, um, it it just takes an organized effort on a particular policy issue. We should be, my opinion, we should be organizing and voicing our uh, opinions on policies. You, you right. see, I mean, a, a particular issue, like net neutrality for one. I'm sure there were a few others, but um, so, uh, an interest of, in my, of mine is uh, uh, the ecology, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, well, to me, it, it. I think it makes a big difference. There's a lot of problems that we have with that. I think it's very uh, easy uh, to have people organize. I know that there are organizations now doing that. Even if someone doesn't want to directly be involved in um, contacting others and uh, actually, you know, doing the strategy and so on, uh, going to state and uh, federal uh, cap- national capitals, they could just donate to a cause. So right. I know that on the internet, there's been a lot of uh, you know, websites, of course, where uh, you donate to a cause to do uh, X, Y, Z. That in itself is a political act, in my opinion. Right. The flip side is that we get uh, stuck in this binary system of uh, politics, you know, uh, Red or blue, right? Conservative versus uh, liberal, 
Republican versus Democrat. And right. you know what has happened so far. Uh, it just becomes a, uh, a race to get the most dollars, which buys the most ad time, which influences the most number of people. And I don't, I don't think that that's a productive direction, in my opinion. No, it, it seems counterintuitive to the way that people think and the way that people operate. I mean, yes, you can, you can inform people by reaching out to them with mass media, but the ad space is so expensive. Like, what are you going to say? Like, what sort of messaging can you provide that will help people feel like they are informed citizens? And it it's beneficial often that a person is not an informed citizen. Maybe you don't want these people to know everything that you stand for or everything uh, of whatever that is that you do stand for. What are the consequences of that? You don't want necessarily people to know all that information. And in doing so, having that uninformed populace, that ends up being a, a step towards the end of democracy because yeah. democracy is powered by informed people. Now, there's a ton of information that's out there. Some of it's misinformation. Some of it is good, well-researched information. Uh, websites like vote.org, for example, uh, they will provide you, you know, who is it that is on your ballot? And here's some information about that person. You know, Going in and doing the research, a lot of people might say, like, well, I don't have time to do that. Like, that's, that's too hard, right? I have my life. I have my job. I have my family. I have the other things that I'm taking care of. You yeah. know, I do stuff at the Y, whatever it is. You know, they're like, I don't have time to look at every single person that is, is running. And I don't have time to you know, volunteer for whatever person that is. And that's okay. Like, you know, well, at the very least – yeah. At least learn about who these people are. So whenever you do go to vote, you know exactly who. Like, oh, I want to vote for this person because this type of policy will directly benefit me and my family, right? Or, you know, I, I'm going to vote for this judge because this judge has this type of record and they follow this type of ethics. And I, and I believe in people who have integrity and I want to support more integrity in politics, whatever that might look like, right? Um, but at least be informed about what is going on. Because as you said earlier, voting is the least thing that you can do to be a good American. And knowing about who you're voting for is a step in the right direction. To Yes, to be a, a participant in, or a citizen in a country with a democracy, uh, voting should be the minimal activity. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, the, the Western form of democracy, the, a lot of country countries uh, use democracies. And, and it's very interesting, of course, that a lot of these other countries vote in much higher numbers because I think they understand that they have uh, uh, maybe a lot more at stake because of their histories, since democracy is a fairly uh, new thing uh, to their government in a number of these countries. I think it would be interesting to um, do some statistics on uh, how older countries such as uh, Western Europe and so on that have had uh, Western forms of democracy for quite a while to see what their numbers are as far as voters go. But I, from what, maybe it's general knowledge, maybe I'm misinformed, but from what I, what I know uh, here in the United States are we don't vote uh, in large numbers as well as we should. 
Yeah, we really don't. And, you know, this history of the United States is, you know, one of the shorter histories of the nations of the world, right? We've never had, and this is something that I've always, when I was in college, I thought a lot about this when I was looking at other cultures and, and how it, how it, what it feels like to live in different places and talk to different people and, and kind of understand like their attitudes towards their government and towards their history. You know, for us in America, we've never been an occupied uh, state, right? We've never had anyone come in and say, we are a foreign entity and we are now taking over this place. It is no longer yours. It is ours. And you will have to assimilate to what we are. Well, to, and I don't want to, you know, argue or go off on a tangent. The closest we have come to that is, of course, the Civil War and right Right. after the Civil War. That's a great point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's when the U.S. was split, right? Right. Um, But it was still, it was still a civil war, right? It was still, you know, brother against brother, quote unquote. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't an invasion by a foreign power, uh, depending on who, who you talk to right after the civil war, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, there, there were definitely um, people in the South thought it was an invasion, but it took a while to you know, basically for uh, to recover from that. Right. But, yeah. Uh, reconstruction was tough. Yes. Yes, it was. It, it definitely it is still I think we're still dealing with the marks uh, from that. Um, but yes, uh, the. The, the good guys won, in my opinion, and I, I'm from Louisiana. I will say that with, with certainty. Uh, in any case, um, the, you said earlier that uh, we're a young country. Actually, in, we, it, the uh, democracy more or less began as a system of government with the United States. Is that true? As my understanding of the Constitution uh I'm saying this because of my understanding of the Constitution. And other uh, countries uh, followed suit in their revolutions, mm-hmm. uh, such as the uh, French Revolution. Right. Yeah, uh, the way that I see it is, and, and the way that I understand it, is that America is a big experiment because this form yes. of government that we have has never been done before. And yeah. so in 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 the future, when people look back and to see – you know, how the U.S. started and how it's it's gone through the years, whether it's, you know, it remains a superpower or it declines, wherever the U.S. goes in the next 50 to 100 years, that the results of that experiment will make, you know, whatever happens next much different than if we remained like in the dark age with monarchies or with, you know, yeah, so oligarchies or, or what of, have you. Some sort of a ol- oligarchy where, you know, the very largest uh, power brokers uh, influence public opinion to the point where we really don't have democracy any, any longer. Yeah, and people can argue that you know that we might have some symptoms of that right now, but I think that's just the nature of the fact that it's so easy to reach people now. Uh, push yes. notifications are all over it's all over the place. But I do want to take a step back. Uh, the point that I was trying to make earlier, because uh, you were saying that. Uh, other countries that do have a democracy, they are they tend to be they have higher voter turnouts, and the memory of what things were like before, and now that they have uh, skin in the game, if you will, they have input into how things are going to be done, as opposed to they're just kind of existing, waiting for someone else to tell them like what's it's going to be happening in, in that day. 
uh, for us, we've always been a democratic country. We've never really known anything else. Now we've known, you know, massive amount of hardship. We've known uh, awful in, uh, accounts of slavery, of internment camps, of you know, war profiteering. All these different things that we have, as a nation, have gone as through. A nation. Yes. Yeah. As a nation, prior, we've gone prior through. to that, of course, we were just a, a collection of states living under Correct. a monarchy. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, right. And I so guess I'm, I think you know, I'm talking counterpoint. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. I appreciate that. Um, what I'm trying to get is that because we don't have any sort of memory uh, as a nation of a different type of system that wasn't. Mm-hmm based on our constitution. I mean, we've amended the constitution over the years, but it's not mm. like uh, we've radically changed the way that we uh, vote for we'll vote for people and the way that the system that we have, the House and the Senate and what have you. A lot of that stuff was established in the 18th century. So right. for us, we just don't know what it's like anywhere else and anywhere in any other way. And we, as a people, I would say, are complacent with the idea that we are exceptional somehow. Complacent. I was, that's yeah. the word I was thinking of as you were describing, as you were uh, talking. Yep. Agreed. And I think that complacency is, is dangerous because that could be easily taken advantage of by anybody who has a particular special interest, right? I, uh, I think it is being taken advantage of in a lot of different places on a, on a local level. Politics is always local. Right. Politics is always local. I 100% agree with that. Actually, a government teacher taught me that in, in college. He basically almost at the beginning of every lesson, he reminded us that all politics is local. Like, sure, you know, voting for the president, that's a big deal. But what's going to affect you on a day to day is who your representative is in your state government, your city government, uh, even in your like homeowners association. <laughs> like, yeah. If you can vote for those people, you know, you want to vote for people who are going to work for the best interest of the whole. And I think that uh, a, a big thing that kind of gets under my nerves and this this is me kind of expressing uh, my viewpoint is that we forget that we are a nation of a diverse people. Yes. And whenever we make voting decisions, it always ends up being, well, how is this going to be beneficial for me and my family? As opposed to how is this going to be beneficial for us as a nation, as a community, as a city, as a neighborhood, whatever that might look like. Like what are our collective goals? What are we working towards as a people in this country? If we're all just trying to live here and live our lives and live in our bubbles and not have these pleasant collisions that we're supposed to have with each other, uh, well then what are what are we working towards? Has there ever uh, been a time in history in the in the history of our nation where that same complacency has come about? Uh, I'm trying to think it possibly in in times of America of a nationalism, uh, say prior to like uh, World War One and World War Two, where America didn't want to be part of it. Yeah, I, I remember uh, in World War One we did have the 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 policy of neutrality. I think it was. Yes. And um, they didn't want to be a part of World War One until we finally got pulled into it. Same thing with World War Two as well. Um, but prior to that, man, there, there, I know there were instances where 
I mean, even like the onset of socialism, like people like uh, Upton Sinclair with the jungle, you know, during mm-hmm. the 20s and, 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 the, and the 10s, people were at post-industrial revolution or during the industrial revolution. It's, it's the idea that, you know, how can we shift the economy? How can we shift the government to a way that is either going to benefit many people, only benefit Americans? Do we shut off? you know, our borders, like where, where, where does that all fit in? Um, but it's specific, like, uh, instances of nationalism in our country. I mean, I can point to today and say like, you know, we, we are having a strong onset. Even our president called himself a nationalist, but I don't think he, I don't think he meant to call himself a nationalist, meaning that I think he was just using the word as in like, Hey, I love America type thing. And not in the sense um, of the way that academics might look at nationalism, because our president isn't an academic. He's not someone who definitely, uses definitely. like the, the meaning of words the way that other people will understand those meaning of words. Like I, he, he, I think, he calls uh, everyone a nice guy. <laughs> like he's a great guy. He's also a great guy. Everyone's a great guy as long as you're on his, on his good side. I think, um, I mean, shoot, uh, we could just go on, on and on about Trump. But I think he loves sure, to. Yeah. Uh, poke fingers and eyes because that's how he continues to stay in the news. And that's how he always ran his business. Uh, uh, I know from, I've heard uh, commentary by uh, various people in New York uh, that Trump wanted to stay in the news, stay uh, contemporary, and he would say outrageous things or do outrageous things to make sure that he was seen. I think that's what he did uh, there as well. He knew that the word nationalist would uh, rankle some people. It's a trigger word. Uh, Trump Trump supporters love to trigger people, right? That was yeah. the, the whole part of uh, what was it, Dave Chappelle describing him as our first uh, internet troll president. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny. I have a coworker that uh, he's you know he's he's Republican. He tends to vote red. You know, today he kept like saying crappy things about Bethel O'Rourke and he was trying to get under my skin. And and I I know I know him. He's a good he's a good person. You know, he's he's, you know, volunteer firefighter and he works very hard. And, you know, I I believe in his abilities and and he has a good head on his shoulders. So this is not like a a, uh, me, you know, character bashing or anything like that. But it's just funny to me that like consistently doing that is is okay right like it's just it's funny to make fun of someone that you are against and even though he might have been doing it ironically he's like oh Bethel, that guy's so full of bs and blah 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 it's like it's not really talking about the issues it's just taking yeah. a person and making them to a caricature and then removing their humanity and their politics and everything else and just simply saying i don't like this person because they are not the person that i want to vote for then it just becomes like, all right, go Spurs, go, and we don't want the Lakers to win. Right. I mean, it just ends yes. up being just a simple, simpleton competition, and not something that actually is going to be a the person who's going to be leading us in the Senate, right? Or one of the two people in the Senate. So, I just, in, in the sense, like you were saying, like you know, it's it's the the troll in chief, if you will, that our first troll, right. internet troll president. We it's, it's, do have to be fair and say that that can exist on. Uh, both the uh, Republican and Democrat. I agree. Yes. Um, <laughs> and don't forget the libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When yeah. I saw that there was a libertarian less, less on the me. ballot, I was like, whoa, where did this guy come from? <laughs> I've never heard of this person before. 
Uh, it would be uh, interesting for you to have a libertarian on your podcast to uh, get their take on it. On them. Actually, I agree. I, I would love to see. I would love to hear that and, and hear their thoughts on things. There's actually, um, I think, a democratic uh, socialist uh, group here in town. If you want, is there to, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm on their Facebook. So just just take a look. Uh, you know, do a search on Democratic Socialists of America. Uh, there's a branch here in town. That's cool. I'll have to check that out sometime. But speaking of checking stuff out, we'll probably have to check out right now. Sure. And <laughs> I just want to keep these podcasts short, kind of in an experimental yeah. feature. But thank you, John, for, for being a part of this and then joining me on this call. I, yeah. I did not realize you had these podcasts until, you know, what was it, today? So uh, yeah. <laughs> I will definitely uh, continue to listen. And uh, it was definitely fun. Yeah, this was fun. I really appreciate your thoughts and you and you sharing your uh, your insight. Sure thing. All right. All right. Are you a fan? John. I got you. I I'm a new fan, Omar. <laughs> you can also be a fan of yourself since you are on this podcast as well. <laughs> all right. Cool. Thank you for being here, and thank you all for listening to the Panda Poop Podcast. Y'all have a good night and happy election day. Yes. Happy election.